0: What's up, Dolph fans, and welcome into the Victory Friday edition, the August the 9th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and as always, I'm here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins victory Friday football. On today's show, we've got a game to talk about, a Dolphins win to talk about. It may be the preseason, but it sure as hell feels good to play the winning music here on the show. We're gonna go position by position, discuss some of the nuance in the game plan, clarify a tweet that I sent regarding the quarterback battle, and hand out some game balls for the victory. All of that and more. But first, before any of it, I I kindly invite each and every one of you to subscribe to the podcast on apple podcast leave us a rating leave us a review keep us in that itunes top 200 and give me a follow on twitter it's at wingfield nfl the number one follow on dolphins twitter as voted by dolphins twitter and you can find the show at locked on fins as well as the game recap with plenty of videos uploaded on locked on Dolphins.com. and last but not least the other locked on sports family of podcasts like the locked on heat podcast and the rebranded Locked On NFL podcast with the expert analysis of former NFL scout Matt Williamson and his new co-host Brian Peacock. Locked On NFL is your daily national podcast on all things NFL with Matt's unique take on all things National Football League. Let's not waste any time. Let's jump right into this podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins and a big congratulations to Brian Flores, the new head coach of the Miami Dolphins as he picks up his first career win, albeit in a preseason game. But hey, it's better than losing, right? The Dolphins win thirty four to twenty seven on a pair of Miles Gaskin touchdowns. Three sacks from Dwayne Hendricks and a breakout performance from another undrafted rookie, a receiver in Preston Williams. The Dolphins outgained the Falcons 361 to 337. They did get outrushed only by eight yards, 96 to 104. They outpassed the Falcons. 265 to 233. They were way less in the penalty department, 8 for 47 for Miami and 12 for 97 for Atlanta. That's a good sign. Fewer TNT runs for the Dolphins. On third down, Miami converted half of them, 5 for 10. They allowed only 4 of 10 to the Falcons on defense. The Dolphins got two sacks, the Falcons had four, and the time of possession, 27 44 to the Falcons, 32 16. And there was some talk about the Dolphins' plan in this game and the vanilla schemes on both sides of the ball. And for the most part, that was the case. The Falcons went down the field on a 90-yard touchdown drive to open the game, and they really picked on rookie cornerback Nick Needham, who started for veteran cornerback Eric Rowe off the outside. And Needham had a very, very difficult night as they allow that opening drive touchdown, which kind of went against one of our keys to the game. Don't allow that first team offense, even though it was not Matt Ryan and Matt Schaub. Don't let them on the scoreboard. The Dolphins did. And then from there, Brian Flores kind of got a little bit more creative or Patrick Graham, whoever you want to say, is responsible for those dialed up pressures they sent later on in the game. They sent more blitzers and became more effective as a unit. They did have some gaffes throughout the football game that cost them big yardage and some points as well. And of course, those penalties. They were pretty vanilla for the most part on defense outside of those few rushes they sent. On offense, it was a lot of lead. It was a lot of power, some zone, and the passing concepts were very basic, trying to get guys into one-on-one situations with some slant-flat combos, some dual verticals up the sidelines and down the seam, some drive concepts, some high lows, pretty much everything you'd see in a summer camp install. All things told, they did a good job of putting these guys into those one-on-one positions to allow them to have an evaluation, and they really didn't play situational football, it was basically snap the ball, let's go, we're not too concerned about anything else, and all of that leads to a 34-27 victory, and we're going to start the position-by-position position breakdown here, where else will we do it besides at the quarterback position, and I sent a tweet out at halftime that I think was misworded on my part, and I want to go ahead and correct that, I said the running back battles were won by Ryan Fitzpatrick, and... Kenyon Drake, and what I meant to say was that they won the first half competition between the two, and the reason for that, Fitzpatrick mitigated some really bad pass protection issues. He escaped on a scramble play on a third and two when the Falcons were in man coverage. Both tackles got destroyed, so Fitzpatrick knew he had a gap up the middle. He took off and ran for the first down because when you have man coverage on the back end, you're going to see the back of jerseys of the defensive backs, and that way you can pick up the yardage necessary with your legs. He did that. A a couple of snaps later, he had more pressure off the left side as Michael Dieter had a horrible pass set where he whiffed and pass protection, showing some waist bending, which we can't have that. That's not good for any offensive lineman. He gets beat. Jordan Mills, the left tackle, Oh my goodness, he was bad in this game. He got beat, but Ryan Fitzpatrick senses the pressure from his backside, rolls out backwards, and finds an open space to throw the ball on the run and hits Devontae Parker for a completion and a first down. That's why I gave him the positive grade on the night. Even though he went just two for five with 40 yards, he moved the chains on that first drive with his legs and with his arm and created that magic on his own right. And then two of the incompletions he did have were miscommunications where one of them, Mike asiki flattened out what looked like it was supposed to be a corner route and Kalen Balazs took off and didn't get his head around on a quick wheel route against pressure. And I'm going to side with Ryan Fitzpatrick when it comes to making those decisions over Kalen Balazs and Mike asiki a pair of second year pros. I can't say for certain, but I'm going to go ahead and guess that Fitzpatrick was in the right on those plays and made the right decisions to get the ball out of his hand. I thought he played well and Josh Rosen really played well in this game also he just had that one bad mistake the interception that really was an egregious throw it was a first and 20 play and he completely failed to account for a linebacker hanging out in the hook zone right behind isaiah ford the linebacker ran the route for the receiver and picked it off and took it down to the three yard line a throw that we've seen him make in his rookie season with the cardinals a throw you hope you can see him clean it up and I thought he did do well to clean up some of those mistakes later on in the game at the end of that first half and in the second half as well with some impressive drives down the field. He had one mistake, I thought, at the end of the first half where he took off on a run on a second downplay with just 20 seconds to go and no timeouts. Like, don't run there because he was never going to score. Work laterally up the line of scrimmage and look for a passing lane. If it's not there, throw it away. I'd rather have third and 11 from the 11 yard line with the clock stopped and a chance to take another shot, then a second and, or a third and goal from the five yard line, rather, with no timeouts where I have to kill the clock and end the drive. Those were a couple of mistakes, but all things told, he threw some really nice deep balls. He put some balls on the target under some immense pressure under his face. He did get a little bit of happy feet, which I expect to happen because we'll talk about how bad this offensive line was here in just a minute, but he's a little bit jittery back there when that pressure comes down on him, and you just can't blame him for that, but all things told, he looked sharp. He was accurate. A lot of those quick setup and throws that I was complaining about all training camp long, those were sharp and on target and on time. Most importantly... I think Ryan Fitzpatrick played well, but I think Josh Rosen earned the right to start the next game and get some work with the first team offense. I suspect we'll see that this week in practice. That should be a very, very interesting discussion going forward. But as far as the quarterbacks go, I think once you take into account Josh Rosen's second half, it was pretty much on an even field, but Rosen made the bigger plays both negatively and positively where Fitzpatrick was just consistent in being good or okay, I suppose. So, the quarterback battle wages on. We'll know more about that in the coming weeks. And on the next side of the podcast here, we're going to come back and break down the rest of the position groups and hand out some game balls to some star undrafted rookie free agents. All that next here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast at Wingfield NFL at Locked On Fins. Whoa, if you guys want to go check out some of the video breakdowns from this game, you can check out the article up on Lockedondolphins.com. Dolphins Defeat Falcons preseason week one recap to get an idea of how we're gonna cover this preseason and the Dolphins games all season long here on the Locked On Dolphins Podcast and the Lockedondolphins.com webpage. All of that part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And I'm surprised, or I guess I would be told otherwise by my boss that I did a wrong thing here by not leading off this part of the podcast with Preston Williams because this guy might get himself a statue next to Dan Marino after that one preseason game. This dude was insane. Four catches, 96 yards. He drew two pass interference calls on the defense where they basically were beat and destroyed and had to grab on for dear life. The first play that Josh Rosen really kind of ticked the negative box for me was when he was basically in the grasp of the pass rush and heaved up a third down prayer and Preston Williams pulled it down in a 50-50 situation. And the reason that Rosen threw that ball, or I guess to put it better, the reason that Preston Williams was able to come down with that ball was because the defensive back panicked and tried to grab Williams. And he did that because Williams turned the defensive back all the way around with a sharp route. And that was kind of the case all night long. In addition to being a massive target with a huge catch radius, who has the quiet hands at the catch point, a long stride, and great vertical deep threat prowess, he has a way of putting guys in the spin cycle with his route running. He's pretty sharp in that regard, and I talked about him being maybe a little bit going through the motions or stiff in the way he ran early in practice. That didn't show up in this game. This guy looks like a bona fide number one receiver, and I'm excited to watch him put things together the next coming games and even into the season to see if Xavier Howard's prophecy that this guy will become a bona fide number one receiver. That might come true. It looks like it is going to right now. Another big receiver that I thought had a nice night, albeit on limited reps, Devontae Parker had that contested catch coming back to the sideline on the Fitzpatrick scramble. It looks like he's using his large frame and physicality more in his game than he has in the past. I really don't have any other receiver notes. It was a quiet night for those guys. A lot of the backs and tight ends did damage in the passing game, but Alan Hearns caught one pass on a slant-flat combo and... A fumble is one thing, but the way he carried that rock was like a loaf of bread hanging off the side of his body. You can't do that. That's day one stuff from Pop Warner. He coughs it up, and with Williams having the big night and Hearns doing that, the writing might be on the wall for the former Jaguar, Cowboy, and Miami Hurricane. Back in the backfield, I talked about how I thought Kenyon Drake was the superior back on the night. I had him down for two broken tackles. Kalen Blage didn't have any broken tackles. He did have the statistical advantage because of a 16-yard jaunt where he broke up the sideline off a great block from tight end Durham Smythe. More on him in just a minute but he definitely is the short yardage and goal line situation type of back. He jammed a touchdown in on a one yard run behind a great block from rookie Shaq Calhoun. And I think Balaj, he's not very creative as a runner. He wants to run you over, but I think the pair of these two guys together and Kenyon Drake, who looks as elusive as ever, I think this pair can really give you that one-two punch where you soften them up with Balazs and then Drake comes in and takes the entire defense and runs around them and pops the big play that way. I love this pair of backs the Dolphins have. Beyond those guys, the rest of the backs had a great night too. Three touchdowns for Dolphins running backs, two of those from Miles Gaskin, who was the fifth back to get into the game behind Mark Walton, who was uninspiring, and Patrick Laird, who had a nice big run courtesy of a nice downfield block from center Chris Reed. And Chandler Cox, the fullback, he got into the game not much by way of positive there, but he did have a hilarious highlight where he basically took advantage of a defensive back who was off balance. He put him into the turf. But the best part was, even though the play was basically over as the Dolphins were guaranteed a touchdown going towards the near side pylon, Chandler Cox goes five yards into the end zone and he throws another block pretty much just for the hell of it. You can find that video up on LockedOnDolphins.com. The tight end position, I talked about Durham Smythe clearing out that lane. He has been the 11 personnel tight end, which is one running back, one tight end, three receivers, pretty much throughout training camp. And we saw why that 16-yard Balage run, nobody contacted Kalen Balazs until he got tackled 16 yards down the field. And the reason for it, Durham Smythe sealing off that edge and not just sealing the edge, but drive blocking his man five, six, eight yards down the field. It was impressive. This dude is an elite level looking blocker off the edge and something I think Miami would be wise to use to their advantage both in the passing game and the running game. Mike Gasicki, he opened up in 12 personnel offense, which I think is where you're going to see a lot of him this year. They're going to try to pair him with guys like Smythe or like Dwayne Allen to free him up as a pass catcher on the outside. I saw him line up in line once. I saw him spend the majority of his night out wide, which included a catch on a slant route, something I'm sure all Dolphins fans would see as a welcome sign. He catches a slant route where they basically put two tight ends into the boundary. Nick O'Leary takes the inside man with a slant route of his own, and then Gasicki runs a slant route off of that to clear up that passing lane, and Fitzpatrick jammed it in there for a nice completion on, I think, a first down play for Miami. On the offensive line, my goodness, it was horribly, horribly ugly. We talked about maybe not playing Laramie Tunzel. That was the plan. He sat out, and Jordan Mills was put in there, I think, for an opportunity to earn the swing tackle job tonight. And he did not do that, not at all. What an unmitigated disaster Jordan Mills was in this game. He proved tonight that he is strictly a right tackle, which means Miami has to go out and find a swing tackle behind Laramie Tunzel and Jesse Davis, because that swing tackle has to be able to play both tackle spots in case of an injury to Tunzel, and Jordan Mills clearly is not capable. He will ruin your game plan if he plays left tackle. Jesse Davis, eh, kind of a mixed bag for him as well. He had a nice block on that first 9-yard Kenyon Drake run, but he too got beat in pass protection. And then his backup, Will Holden, who I was pretty hard on throughout training camp, He was just as bad as Jordan Mills. I mean, constantly on the ground, turning around, chasing guys into the backfield. What a disaster for the Dolphins' tackles without their star, Laramie Tunzel, in this game. Inside, not much better. Michael Dieter, he's got a way to go, and you might see why Pat Flaherty thought he was a backup at this point. A bender is never what you want to say about a lineman, and there was a rep. I think it was the one where Fitzpatrick bailed out with a back shoulder roll and got out wide off the pocket to throw that pass to Devontae Parker, but Dieter, you see him leaning over the top of his skates and tries to throw a punch and just gets embarrassed with a whiff and allows that pressure immediately. He got pushed back in the running game, allowed penetration against the pass as well. Just not a good night for the Dolphins' rookie left guard from Wisconsin. The other interior players, I thought Chris Reed had a mixed bag on the night. He was responsible for that long Patrick Laird run at the second level, but the very next play he winds up on the ground, something he has done a lot at Dolphins camp so far. Rookie Shaq Calhoun, some good, some bad. The Balazs' touchdown run came because Calhoun drove his man two yards into the end zone off the ball and created that launch pad for Balage to go ahead and get airborne, but he also allowed some pressure on some pass drops and wasn't very effective the rest of the night in the run game either. He has some work to do in his own right, but maybe... In a night that was awful O-line play all around, maybe Shaq Calhoun was the best of the bunch. I thought Jared Jones-Smith came off the bench and did pretty well in that second half playing some left tackle. So maybe he gets the next crack at the swing tackle position because right now Jordan Mills just is not up for the challenge of playing left tackle in the event that Laramie Tunzel goes down. And maybe Jared Jones-Smith with that large, massive wingspan. Remember, he has the same wingspan as Dwight Howard. Maybe he can fill in at that spot. Okay, let's go ahead and do the defensive line. Then we'll take our last break and finish up with the linebackers and secondary. The depth of this defensive line has been kind of my the drum that I've been beating throughout training camp because I think this group is a lot better than folks give it credit for. And we start with the first round pick. Christian Wilkins had plenty of playing time and he showcased some of the signature quickness that he has, but also some power to knock some guys back and really insert his will on guys. Assert his will, however you say that and really get some penetration in the running game. He did that on a 3rd-and-1 play where he eventually tackled the guy beyond the sticks, but to win that play on the backside and almost get there to make that stop, that's elite-level stuff there from Christian Wilkins. Devon Godshaw, I feel like I could just write the same thing about this guy pretty much every single week. Such a power player, such a heavy-handed wrecking crew who can both hold the point of attack when they run the ball right at him, and he can close down and dent the line of scrimmage, when the ball gets ran away from him, he just has so much power and he always wins that low man battle that was the case throughout the game on Thursday night, Dwayne Hendricks Had three sacks in this game, although we're only going to give him two sacks because the third one, the quarterback made it back to the line of scrimmage, but two of those sacks were very impressive, and the third one was on the final drive of the game. Right now, Dwayne Hendricks is on the 53-man roster, no doubt about that. And so was Jonathan Ledbetter, another UDFA, this one from Georgia. Those guys both consistently display heavy hands, and I tweeted out two videos of Jonathan Ledbetter going up against a guy that let's be honest with the dreadlocks kind of looked like Dallas Thomas and he was just shoving this left guard this poor left guard back into the backfield every time with a very very strong punch and putting that guy on skates that was fun to see that's what Patrick Graham wants to see those two guys showed out I thought Tank Carradine had a good night he won a one-on-one pass rush look but failed to finish the sack he did hit the quarterback and forced a throwaway, but you obviously want him to go ahead and get the passer down to the ground Nate Orchard did get the quarterback to the ground. He was the beneficiary of a well-timed, well-designed blitz, and this came on that drive I was talking about, where the Dolphins allowed 90 yards in the first drive, and came back and said, no more of that. We're going to actually throw some stuff at this offense, and they throw TJ McDonald down off the edge on a blitz, and that makes the tackle take a deep set, which creates a gap between the guard and the tackle, which Nate Orchard, with his speed, wins on the outside shoulder, the upfield shoulder I should say, of that guard, and gets in for a sack on the quarterback to put an end of that series I thought that was impressive work both from an execution and a preparation standpoint and speaking of preparation we're going to talk more about some smart players and some struggling players on the other side of the podcast here we've got linebackers and defensive backs to get to here next on the Locked On Dolphins podcast a victory Friday edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast but first before you draft your fantasy team make sure to check out Vinny Iyer and Locked On Fantasy Football Vinny gives you the edge with over 20 years covering fantasy football. Don't listen to the same stuff as everybody else, or else you're going to wind up with the same team as everybody else. Get the edge from Vinny that will put you ahead both on draft day and put you ahead all season long. Locked on fantasy football on your favorite podcast provider. Go and get your money, bitch. None of my hitters on some funny. Sh- I can tell real. These clean versions sure are fun, aren't they? And speaking of clean versions, we used to have a very clean version of a quarterback here in Miami. And I didn't tweet this out because I wanted Ryan Tannehill back. I'm just happy that he went out there and outplayed Marcus Mariota in the opening game. Tannehill had a couple of touchdown passes over a hundred passing yards. Cool to see. I really hope he gets a chance to play for that Titans team because frankly, He's a better quarterback than Marcus Mariota. But hopefully here in Miami, Josh Rosen makes us forget all about that. And if he doesn't, we come back next year and find a quarterback that makes us forget all about the last 20 years of quarterbacking woes. A player that's taking me back in time at the linebacker position has been Jerome Baker all training camp long. And I just updated the whiteboard, the famous whiteboard up here in my podcast and writing office. And I added a fourth player with a blue chip designation or distinction And that fourth player was Jerome Baker because he looks the part. He was used as a dummy blitzer who bailed back into coverage and he found himself in the hook zone. It's so refreshing to see linebackers get themselves into passing lanes when that just hasn't been the case over the years. And Jerome Baker looks exceptional in that regard. He's buzzing the flat. Jumping the hook zone, his speed is on display both as a rusher and defending the edge in the running game. He looks elite to me, man. Another player that looks great off that edge, Andrew Van Ginkle is so smart. I tweeted a video about this and guys picked it up on Twitter pretty quickly. His recognition for what the offense is trying to do and getting himself into those passing lanes. There was a play early on in this game where the Falcons, who basically still do some of the stuff they had from Kyle Shanahan when he was the OC there, which is based off of his father, Mike Shanahan's play act naked boot flood and layer concepts where you run a tight end into the flat you bring a backside crosser up over to the second level and you have a takeoff route to give you three layers of the field on a half field read for the quarterback well Andrew Van Ginkel saw this he saw the running back leaking out into the flat rather than going upfield and rushing the quarterback for a fruitless endeavor he jumps back into the flat and stays in that passing lane and forces a throwaway very fun to watch that guy play football because of how smart he is Two more players at the linebacker position, one good, one bad. The bad, Sam Aguavon, I thought had a rough day against the run and kind of got himself off the spot in his pass drops. He'll get better, but he was a struggle in this game today. Trey Watson is a fit to provide the Dolphins with a solid backup linebacker in the running game. He consistently scrapes the edge and finds his way into the correct gap and run fits on that defense, a smart player and a big hitter as well. The defensive backs, these guys were the offensive line of the defense in this game. And Nick Needham, good for him for getting that first start. But man, he really had a rough night in this one. Let up a number of receptions, a couple of those on third down. He committed two penalties on third down as well in this game. He started opposite Xavier Howard in for Eric Rowe. And Xavier Howard was all over the field getting his hands on two footballs once again. I'd rather not see Xavier Howard play in August. I know what he is. He's elite. Just leave him alone. Minka Fitzpatrick had a really bad missed tackle. That was uncharacteristic, but he was good in pass coverage. Jamal Wiltz, I think, is really going to earn himself a spot, not just on the roster, but in some playing time as a backup nickel, a possible perimeter starter. He looks pretty good out there, shutting down the run off the C-gap and showed some natural instincts in pass coverage as well. Jalen Davis, he didn't get much time until very late in the game, but he did have the pass breakup to put the game on ice. He did well to get his head around on that football at the exact right moment. Cornel Armstrong had a win on a corner route down in the red zone. He could be the guy that's next up in place of Nick Needham if the coaches want to make a switch there to figure out who's going to be the guy behind Eric Rowe. I thought Bobby McCain did well with his new safety job, although it's difficult to gauge how a safety playing 20 yards off the ball looks without the All-22, but there were no big springs in the running game when he was on the field, and there was no big passes his direction when he was on the field either. Jason Sanders, he is money. Matt Hawk, he is not. First punt was an absolute shank. I don't understand how that happens so often, and he is still here. Makes no sense to me. The starters playing plenty of time on special teams. We saw McDonald, Fitzpatrick, some Cornell Armstrong, some Durham Smythe, Jamal Wiltz, Sam McGuavin, and of course, Walt Aikens all saw plenty of time on the coverage units. All things told, A lot of good, a lot of bad. The Dolphins know where the weaknesses on this roster are. They know that next year they're going to have to spend on the offensive line. They're going to have to get some more cornerback depth. I think those things are pretty abundantly clear. But there's plenty of things to hang your hat on. Some young players showing a lot of promise. Preston Williams looks like an elite receiver at this stage. I know it's early, but my goodness, how can you not be excited about that guy? He gets one of the game balls. Dwayne Hendricks and his two sacks get the other game ball. And the third game ball, it's got to go to Coach Flores. First career win. So congratulations to Coach Flores on the victory. Dolphins 34, Falcons 27. And I know this was a fast-paced podcast, but we had a lot to get to. And I think we did that here on the Friday edition. When we come back and talk to you guys on Sunday, we're going to have two practices to recap, both a Saturday and Sunday practice. We're going to talk about the Dolphins' new addition, Robert Kimdije, former Laramie Tunzel teammate at Ole Miss. He was signed on Thursday afternoon as well as a whiteboard recap and update here. All of that coming ahead on the Locked On Dolphins podcast, but this is going to take us into the weekend with a victory in our back pockets, and that is a great opportunity for us to get out of here on the podcast. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Tell a friend about the podcast and check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at NFL. Follow the show at Locked On Fins. Keep up to date on the Daily Dolphins blog over at LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your night. We'll talk to you again on Sunday night for another edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football. Fins up. Victory Friday.